Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I'm going to start off Happy Hour with a confession. Okay. Don't be scared. I'm not. Let it out. Let it out, sister. I am going to miss Jen Psaki. Oh, peppermint patty. Um, <laughs> okay. I can't wait to hear why. So this is Jen Psaki's last week as the White House press secretary. Uh, she was hired by MSNBC, right? Or CNN. What, anyway, what difference does it make? Right. There's no difference. So she's leaving, but I'm going to miss her because I can't conceive of anyone who better represents the indecency, the dishonesty, the soullessness of the Biden regime more than she does. She is like the perfect spokesperson for this regime. She just has like those dead eyes, you know, like, so I, I don't know. I, I'm going to miss her. Bye, Jen. Well, I will say I, I, I don't I don't want to burst your bubble, but I feel like the replacement for Jen Psaki is going to going to wet your whistle because she is a BDS activist in addition to being a press person. So we have a nice Jew hater um, at the mic every day. She's also married to a CNN uh, contributor. So wow. It's funny how that always. Isn't happens. it weird? Um, but yeah. So where they're keeping it in the fam, you know, is keeping it in the fam. Um, so this is Karine Jean-Pierre. Yes, she's married woman, to, um, I think, I think Juliette Malveaux, who is a CNN host or contributor. She's been around big lib. Um, and, you know, what's the difference? CNN, White House. There's no difference. <laughs> same, same thing. Just the bl- they all blur together. So, you know, that that's, um, you know, can you blame Jen Psaki? I mean, she's climbs the liberal ladder you know she did her time in the white house and then they um they take they take care of their own so she's going to be making a lot of money at msnbc just like anyone who works in the for the regime when they leave they're taken care of you know with a corporate job or a cushy job at like the clinton foundation or planned parenthood or you know center for american progress so this is no surprise. So now we have a new person and we'll see how that how that goes. I, I don't honestly do you watch the press conferences because I, I can't even stomach them. I only watch um, the clips of Peter Ducey when he confronts oh, yeah. her just so you could see like the literal steam coming out of her ears and the, just the contempt she has for a reporter actually asking her tough questions, you know, not like the rest of the White House press corps. But there was some good news that came out of the media this week. So a lot of them uh, have COVID after the White House correspondence. (laughs) (laughs) They had had a super spreader event. Um, But, you know, we and I think we talked about this last week. But I mean, I don't know for sure. But based on my reading of the media and the coverage of COVID at this point, it's just like kind of like a flu or a cold. So. Almost any event where there's a lot of people, people get sick, you know, like, so is it, is it weird? I I know when I used to go to CPAC and I went to CPAC like for 20 years straight 
every every time after CPAC, everybody was sick. I mean, it's just that when you're at these big gatherings, people tend, you know, it's a place where you're around different germs and you can get sick. So at this point in the development of COVID, is getting COVID, it's not like you're on a ventilator like that anymore, right? It's like you just feel right. like shit, feel like you have right. the flu, you know, um, you can take a fake vaccine or you can take a pill that may or may not work. Pfizer mectin or whatever the pill is that they have now. Um, but it just seems like they all got COVID because they were all at an event. It's not getting a lot of coverage, but had it been a right wing event, it would have gotten coverage. Oh God. And, they would be accused of being murderers, you know, all that. Even good if stuff. it was like the same time, like basically again, like we have acknowledged that COVID is kind of endemic. It's like a strain of the flu or the cold of our, or cold. And the flu is dangerous. I mean, it can it can kill children. Children die from the flu and older people die from yep. the flu. So it's very similar to the flu. And, you know, and so, okay, so a lot of people got it. At, and to be honest, these are people that have very, like, co- compromised immune systems. Their immune systems are not robust because they've spent two years, like, in the corner, masked up, afraid to go anywhere. So, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? They're, they're right. extra fragile. Like, they're more fragile than normal because they've been, you know, shivering in a closet for two years or two and a half years. So, whatever. Now they have COVID. They'll be fine. I mean, uh, what's her name? Didn't Was it Kamala? She seemed to bounce back in, like, three days. Well, didn't she get the, some miracle drug, though? She got so, the drug you were talking about. That she got maybe the not. Paxlovid, but, like, nobody's taking it, and people are com- – not people, but – I guess the government or pharmacists are saying like it's sitting on our shelves and nobody's nobody's prescribing it for people, maybe because people just get better before they, you know, they need to, you know, need to take medicine. I don't know. Um, well, one but, thing um, people are not going to really be taking is the J&J vaccine because oh, yeah. the FDA so, came, Yeah. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket after we do this podcast because I feel like I'm a really lucky person <laughs> because I am a J&J vaccine person. And it's almost a year. It's actually almost a year to the day. I think May 8th or something okay. is when I got my vaccine last year. And, um, and, and then they pulled it right off as soon as like two days after I got it, they pulled it off because of all the clots. So then I had a really fun 28 days following. I recall. That's right. You remember um, where I was like a puddle. I was like a wreck. I'm like, I have a headache. It's 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 happening. You know, it's a tumor. It's a stroke. Whatever. <laughs> this went on for 28 days. Um, and then I was out of the woods. So, um, yeah. So J&J is off. Like, I'm not really sure. The way that the reports about the vaccine were really kind of weird. It's like if you can't get an mRNA or you refuse right. an mRNA vaccine, I don't even know what the fuck that means. It's like you have to be 18 and it's for people who just like refuse to get the mRNA vaccine. So so here's whatever. the announcement that was published yesterday by the FDA. 
It has limited the authorized use of the Janssen COVID-19 vaccine to individuals 18 years and older for whom other authorized or approved COVID-19 vaccines are not accessible or clinically appropriate. Where where are the other vaccines not available? Like if you pull out of your driveway, you have, you know, <laughs> two or four government agents in like, you know, full hazmat suits trying yeah. to stab you with the Pfizer vaccine. Um, clinically to individuals 18 years of age. So this is just the slippery slope, Liz. They're going to pull this completely eventually, right? This is a total word salad, makes no sense. It's basically like, don't take this unless you live, you know, in, and you're the Unabomber and you can't get the other two vaccines. So, well, this is what's really weird. So the way, from what you just read, they said, unless the mRNA vaccine is not appropriate, Okay, I'm sorry. This is new. Are there people who the mRNA vaccine is not appropriate? Maybe Mm -hmm. do they know? Like, I've never heard that before. Right. I mean, we were told everybody can get this right. That babies, mamas with babies. um, We were were told. So, I mean, I think it's unclear. I mean, I don't know if it's some kind of language that is a CDC language that they understand what it means, but it colloquially makes no sense. I'm not sure. But the I've never heard any statement to the effect that there are people that can't get the mRNA vaccine, that it's not appropriate. So honestly, Julie, I'm thankful. I've, um, you know, it's been a year. I've had a very comprehensive blood panel and meeting with my doctor and everything's my blood works really good. Um, so I survived. Um, I also got a booster, but not Pfizer. And then I'm done. Like I'm done. You know what I mean? At this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to roll the dice. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm done doing this uh, stuff. Well, there, and, and look, so the Pfizer data came out this week. Neither one, we haven't not had chance to go through the whatever 20,000 pages or whatever it is, but it does look like there's some very sketchy uh, data, um, disturbing data related to that vaccine. But look, we have to stop calling it a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. You don't take fucking four shots in a year and still get the disease and call whatever you stabbed yourself with or whatever, whoever stabbed you with it, a vaccine. What is this? I mean, it's well, not a vaccine. Is, it's and then there were, then the Washington, I think it was the Washington Post or New York Times published a study that showed how many people were dying due to the Omicron variant, people who had been um, uh, double vaccinated and boosted. So that's out the window. I mean, maybe it's not severe death as Jen Psaki called it. You know what though? I think what, what in that, in those cases, what happens is that if you are very sick and you are immunocompromised, especially if you're like a cancer patient or just some of these people that have very serious immuno are are immunocompromised and you get the vaccine, the vaccine is going to do nothing for you. That's what happened with Colin Powell and, um, I think uh, uh, 666, Herman Cain, <clears throat> 999, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say 666, 999, the Herman Cain, um, is that they had compromised immune systems. So it doesn't matter if you're vaccine, your immune system is not operating. So you can get vaccinated and then the virus is going to wipe you out because your immune system is just not, I mean, no vaccine works, it, assuming it's a viable vaccine, which this, it, we seem to have a disconnect here with uh, the promises 
um, and the sales, the marketing of this vaccine or whatever it is. I don't even want to say it's a vaccine because you can still get the disease. <laughs> it doesn't stop you from getting it and you can still get really sick from it. So I'm not really sure what I, I mean. I don't know. I I did look quickly at the data. Um, I think there's more data coming, too. That's just part of it. What have right. you what have you seen? Um, I know Naomi Wolf was breaking it down on the war room if people wanted to look for a clip of what she was um, she was talking about. But definitely it seems like if Pfizer was not forthcoming about the efficacy rate in its initial um, trials. Um, so that came out. And then, of course, the uh, the cardiac issues that um, were reported that Pfizer did not really report. It seems like the numbers are still low, but I, d- I don't know. I haven't looked at it, um, but I mean. Well, they had like 1,300 people died. They, yes. Like, here's the thing. I, I don't, I don't, in what I've read, I can't tell where the data is from. Is the data strictly Pfizer trials? Is this data from the VAERS? Is data from the world? I don't know. But they do have a chart saying that there's about about 1300 people died which is 3% of the of their of their sample size um that's actually a lot for a drug i mean you don't allow that normally and normally a drug would not get approval if 3% of the people who took it died like died not side effects died so right. um i hope we get more i hope we get more information i saw naomi wolf's i watched her talk a little bit about it but I think it just came out yesterday so a lot of people haven't had time to go over it but it 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 certainly looks very strange and because Pfizer worked very hard to keep this information from the public and there's just no reason that that people should not have access to all the risks involved in something like this and if you know the risks and you choose to do it anyway that's fine as long as you know the risks, you know, if you're able to, to weigh the risks. But, you know, we weren't really told there were risks. So I'm not sure there's going to be any fallout because I just don't think they're going to I think the media is going to ignore this. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think the media is totally going to ignore it, just like it ignores anything of importance <laughs> that runs no- con- contra to the uh, regime's latest propaganda. Yeah. There's no consequences. There's no, you can't, no. nobody can sue because that's part of the, their emergency bonus. Emergency authorization. Right? Their, their, it's sorry, part of what? the emergency authorization yep. uh, use. That's I, I right. I think all vaccines, I think all vaccines have like a very limited life. Like you can't sue because the idea being that nobody would develop a vaccine otherwise, unless they were somehow like shielded from liability. Um, so nobody can sue for this. Um, the, I don't think anyone at the CDC or the FDA is going to get punished. Um, nope. as far as these institutions having any authority among the public, um, I think they've taken a terrible hit. I know I already, I know you and I, we've, we've been, we're familiar with these operators. <laughs> we've been more familiar with this shit long before people had to deal with the coronavirus thing. So you, you know, it's hard for it to take a credibility hit with the happy hour crowd, but, you know, for the regular public, I think they got a rude awakening, you know, about this agency that's supposed to be 
about public health and safety and it's just a political age it's turned into it's a political agency terrible so um the other huge news this week of course is the leaking of the uh ruling reportedly but i guess it's been confirmed that this is a legit draft uh document that would uh overturn roe versus wade and remove the constitutionally protected right, I guess, to get an abortion. So this document had been leaked. It was published mon- Monday night, Monday night by Josh Gerstein yeah. at Politico. And this, of course, just set the political world on fire, aflame again. Not that it's ever like not aflame, but, you know, it went to like DEFCON 6 or whatever. And but it was, um, but it was interesting why it got, why everybody was like so out like shocked right so half the people the bad people (laughs) were shocked because it looked like roe versus wade was going to be overturned and then other half people were shocked because never in the history of the united states of america has somebody leaked a document from the supreme court like it's unheard of and i think that was for me that was the most shocking thing is I was absolutely shocked that in all these years, nobody has ever done that. And now somebody did it. And um, I was listening to Ted Cruz. He was on Megyn Kelly. He clerked for Rehnquist. And he was describing the security protocols at the, at the court, right, when he was a clerk. And there are so many secure, you're not allowed to work on anything outside the actual building. He said that people are often there until 12 or one, because if you're writing or if you're doing research, the clerks is, you know, the clerks do a lot of the heavy lifting. They're the ones like writing the documents and looking up stuff that they aren't allowed to like take their work home. So nothing ever leaves the physical premise of the court. Like it's such a big deal. And even when they have conferences, when the judges have conferences, they there's no stat, there's no clerks allowed. Like literally, they go into a meeting room and it's just the nine of them, right? There's no assistant. So I was listening to this description of how, you know, serious everybody takes it, and everyone kind of understood, regardless of partisanship, this is a really important process, and the process is sacred. You know, it's a sacred process. It's an important process, and now someone just shit that away. So a lot of people were shocked about that. And then, of course, a lot of people were shocked about Roe versus the, you know, the actual ruling, which I'm less, I, I don't, you know, I just, I'm sure you're, we're similar on this. We're just like, okay, it'll go to the states. Exactly. And, um, but this is now, as I wrote today in American Greatness, flip the script on protest. Now political protest is going to be cool well, again. Good. It's going to be lawful. Yeah. It's going to be constitutionally protected. Patriotic. Patriotic yes, absolutely. It is our duty to protest. Right. So you already have lunatic Elizabeth Warren outside the Supreme Court screaming her lungs out, saying that they're just going to fight like hell. Um, Kamala Harris made some of the same remarks. Um, Chuck Schumer is planning to bring legislation to the floor of the Senate next week that would codify Roe versus Wade. It's a joke. It's like this is all performance based. It's it's not going to pass. So, I mean, he knows that. Everybody knows that. It's just, it's it's performance-based. I mean, this is the, this is such an overreaction. Um, and it's in line with the Democrats' um, tactics of 
just ginning up hysteria, <clears throat> total hysteria, because right. this, if this is, if this is the real majority opinion, and I assume it is, they should release it right now, by the way. I mean, they should just, just, just to make a point, which is that we're, aren't, we're not going to be moved. And that was the reason this was leaked. And we can get into that in a second. But um, the fact is that abortion isn't illegal. This, they could have made it illegal in their judgment. They did not. They did not say no. Killing a killing a fetus is killing a human. They could. They did not do that. They said it's up to the states, which means every state will decide how they want to handle this. You know that there's going to probably be abortion clinics in 7-Elevens in California or in Oregon or you know what I mean. It's going to be handled that way. Abortion is not illegal, and you will be able to you know. So it's just this hysteria that's being ginned up is just you know for polit. On purpose, right? Is to activate the shock troops. You know, I don't know what. What I don't know if people if people are sick of it. You know what I mean? Are people sick of this shit yet? You know, from the summer of 2020, are people sick of it? Well, not the left. They're never sick of it. They've just been on good behavior since January 6th because they don't want that contrast as people are still getting arrested. You know, they're still arresting people is 16 months later. They just arrested two more people this week on low level misdemeanor charges. So they didn't want to have this, con- you know, the, this contrast between the two. But now we are. And you have Jen Psaki, the soulless ghoul who's now leaving. Um refusing to denounce plans for activists and this is being organized right by all of the left-wing radical uh, act, uh, activist groups to um, picket outside of the homes of the six I don't want to call them conservative because John Roberts is not the six Republican appointed members of the Supreme Court it looks like five of them are planning to sign on to the majority opinion that would overturn Roe versus Wade I'm sure John Roberts will not but nonetheless, three of them live in Virginia, three live in Maryland. They are organizing protests in front of their homes. When Peter Ducey confronted Jen Psaki yesterday, asking for the Biden White House to denounce those plans, she refused to do it and went back into the old shtick, you know, peaceful protests are acceptable. You know, you know it's part of being. <clears throat> let me tell you that here in Virginia, it is illegal for them to go out in front okay, of someone's house. Somebody, so yeah. Have a good time. You go, go go to Clarence Thomas's house, see what happens, okay? Because it's illegal, um, and they know that. So in Virginia, they will, the cops will come, and you will, and I think that the justices have security also. So um, again, go go try and do that. But the point is that that the the big lesson from this, and I I want more people to understand it, and I know you do, Julie, which is that the left does not, they hate this country and they will burn it down to get what they want. They have absolutely no respect for the processes and institutions. So let's just compare and contrast what happened with this, what's happening with this, with what happened when Obamacare passed, right? Remember back in the day, I was in front of the Supreme Court when that happened. When Obamacare, that big thing, all of a sudden Judge Roberts like apparently switched or I don't know, whatever. But they came out and it turned out they upheld Obamacare and said, no, it's a tax and it's fine. It's constitutional. Did anyone on the right go to plan plan to go to houses of justices to do this? Did anybody plan violence or intimidation? The fact is that you win some and you lose some. You know, that's what it's like living in a republic and in a democracy. And so 
These people do not give a fuck about our institutions. They have no respect for them. And if that means burning it down by leaking a document, like leaking this this draft opinion, which is what what was done, then they'll do it. So it's super important to remember. Um, Well, so we'll see what happens, right? Because next week, if they do bring this to the floor, then it's going to be a whole big uh, debacle. You're going to have thousands of protesters in Washington, D.C. They already have fencing around the Supreme Court building. So we're going to see what happens with that. But if there's any confrontations with police, you know, if there's any of the same sort of activity that we saw on January 6, 2021, which now has resulted in, you know, prison time for people who plead guilty to uh, parading in the Capitol, if there's anything similar to that, it will be interesting to see. I mean, they're not going to be arrested, right, Liz? Nobody is going to well, face the all, same sort of, yeah. There's probably going to be a lot more police there, which we didn't have on January 6th, right? Because it was a trap, <laughs> you know? So I think if if next week, there will be a lot more law enforcement, you know? So there's not going to be... That we're not going to have the same ability, right, to to like walk in in a place where they're not supposed to go, but they don't know any better. And so and get charged with a crime that it, it's not right. But, but to your point, yes, no one will be they will be allowed to do whatever they want. And it will be called the First Amendment because the First <laughs> Amendment is only for some people. No, that's what will happen. No, right? of course. But but OK, so let's say that there's some sort of hearing. They bring this right to the floor next week. You have whatever the Senate, um, uh, the Capitol is besieged, overrun with protesters uh, who are demanding their voices be heard. They're confronting lawmakers directly. They are attempting to shut down, you know, whoever, let's say Republican gets up and speaks, et cetera. We now have case law. We have both in jury trials and plea deals that. This is a felony, obstruction of an official proceeding. You've got hundreds of of charges of this for January 6ers. You've got numerous plea deals. You've got now three jury convictions. So eventually this, and of course, like we're saying, it won't be the same legal uh, ramifications because you've got a Biden campaign supporter in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. His wife is a far left-wing radical activist, head of this women's law, uh, uh, women's law Center in Washington, D.C. She was already out protesting this past week, threatening, you know, that we're going to get all of our troops together and we're not going to let up. This is the wife of the man responsible for prosecuting 800 Americans for their involvement in the four-hour disturbance 16 months ago. So, of course, they're all in cahoots, so they're not going to. But it's still going to be public contrast, right? The American people are going to see why did, again, just like in 2017 during Trump's inauguration, they tried to burn down Washington, D.C., just like in 2018 during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, why is this acceptable? This is legal. This is constitutional. To your point, it's patriotic. But on January 6th, it's not. So oh, are they going to shut down? Are they going to shut no, down the why. Capitol building? I want to tell you why, Julie. And I want to tell our happy hour listeners why. And the reason is because they have the power and we don't. And so they 
decide. Like they are the people with the power and they're the ones who can decide that um, all of the precedents that have been set and all these um, plea deals that they've gotten, um, you know, that it's for something entirely different than what's going to happen next week. And and just like just like January 6th was entirely different from all of the different disturbances over the years with like code pink and these other freaks like busting in to hearings or proceedings and interrupting and getting removed or occupying things or raiding people's offices. Just like that is not the, that was also totally different than January 6th. And the reason is because they have the power to do this and they're using the power of the government to, um, you know, suppress their, uh, you know, to cripple their enemies. I mean, they're, I hate to say it, but it's we're in a war, whether people realize it or not. And some people still want to play by the, you know, the gentleman's rules. And well, while the other side is just beating the shit out of us. So, I mean, yeah. it's a contrast and you got to wonder how long, how, how much more are people going to take, right? Like how many more opportunities or how many more situations when your face is getting shoved in a pile of shit are people going to take or are people going to stand for, you know, because that's what it is. It's like, yes, you can't do this, but we can. And they just keep doing it over and over and over again. And it's fine. Well, I mean, I think that that's part of these institutions completely breaking apart, right? Because there is this, because the American majority of American public does not trust these institutions anymore. Not only do they not trust them, they now see that they are fully at war with half of the country. Yeah. So there was this Rasmussen poll, I think it was a few months ago, asking about the FBI, and not only do the overwhelming majority of Republicans not trust the FBI and think that it acts in the best interest of the Democratic Party. So do most independents and even some Democrats. So, I mean, this is not anything new. And certainly this applies to DOJ when you see how this DOJ is operating, not just with um, January 6th, but also plans to criminalize protests against election workers or election laws. And now you have Merrick Garland yesterday stumbling through, a la Joe Biden, stumbling through this press conference where he announced, what, a climate justice unit? And they're yeah. going to now impose basically the Green New Deal by executive fiat and, you know, these long list of of wishes by a climate cabal that they've wanted for the better, you know, at least two or three decades. So they just have no shame, no hesitancy in using the full power of the executive branch, um, undermining now the judicial branch and now undermining, of course, it has the legislative branch um, to, to get what they want. And, of course, the Republicans, per usual, are completely flat footed when it comes to how to uh, how to resist all of these efforts because they had a chance, right? They had a golden opportunity, once in a generation opportunity in 2017 and 2018 to really burn down these institutions, right? To shut off their funding, open up investigations, haul these people in, make them accountable. And instead, what did Trump do? He appointed fucking Chris Ray as head of the FBI. The most one of the most important things that they could have done in those first two years, too, is do um, 
civil service, uh, they, they could oh, reform right. civil service, right? Where this idea that if you work for the government, you can never be fired. Like that you should, you know, you could, you could have immediately passed that in the House and the Senate and Trump sign it. And then these people would have been on notice, which is it, you know what I mean? You can't, this, this bullshit is you're not immortal anymore. That was just another thing. And you're right, Trump put idiots in in office into these different high level positions but it's more than that i mean you can have people at a high level in these agencies the secretaries the deputies whatever people go through confirmation but the fact that the the machine the totality of the machine which is about five million people work for the federal government these people a lot of them are problems and so they also need to go because they were gumming up the works even when you know, even when um, they had like a decent person that was a cabinet secretary, you know, these agencies are so big when, you know, Trump wanted this or that, it would get slow walked, it would get lost. You know, they were having resistance meetings like in federal buildings right after the right oh, right yeah. after the. So, I mean, you know, there's just so many issues with the government that even people getting angry and reacting in the election coming up and let's say taking back the Senate or taking back the house, you know, who's, who are they putting in there? They're putting in a clown. They're putting clowns in. It's going to be clowns. <laughs> no, it is. Right. It right. is. Right. I mean, and I don't see, I know representative Andy Biggs, you know, we do have a couple solid a people. Handful. What? There's a handful of good. There are that, but like a literal handful, like literally five. <laughs> We can literally hold them in our hands. That's how many they are. there are. We definitely could hold Lauren Boebert in our hand. Yeah, she's tiny. She's so tiny. Um, so at any rate, um, so Andy Biggs came out with, it's sort of an updated contract for America. Um, and he details, you know, he's a very smart guy. He's an attorney. He's been through hell. You know, they're trying to, they tried to take him off the ballot under the 14th Amendment thing that they're trying to do with Marjorie Taylor Greene, which by the way, that trial ended that hearing or whatever ended two weeks ago. This judge still has not come out with a ruling as to whether she can stay on the ballot by this crazy uh, legal um, group that's trying to remove Republican lawmakers. So at any, we're two weeks later, the judge hasn't ruled because these judges all suck. But anyway, um, so Biggs came out with a very detailed agenda, and part of it is what you're talking about, sort of civil service reform, but also just opening up these agencies, um, demanding, you know, hearings, accountability, finding out what they're doing. Yeah, so let's have an audit. He's talking about it. Let's have an audit. Let's audit the budget of all of these agencies. Let's make sure there's not any redundancy. Why should these government agencies get to operate in a way that, like, the average American household doesn't get to operate, right? I mean, the, the, you know, there's fiscal accountability in every home, one way or the other, whether it's overdraft fees or, you know, the repo depot, you know, the federal government needs to also follow those things. So good on Andy Big. So what else does he have in his um, contract? He's got like immigration. Obviously, a lot of it is related to immigration. That um, I just got it the other day. But there are, you know, things that the base wants to hear. And then you've got, you know, Ronna McDaniel. What did she post this morning? Like, hello, 1992. Her latest tweet. Hold on, let me bring it up here. 
Um, she, these people just do not get it whatsoever. Republicans believe in common sense policies, supporting law enforcement, really parents' rights and education, empowering small business and not wasting taxpayer money. Like that's straight out of what? 1994 talking points. What does that even mean? Not wasting taxpayer money. Every single Republican basically has signed off on how much trillions of dollars in COVID relief spending that's now being completely wasted. Like, what is she talking about? Doesn't even mean anything. Every day, like, first of all, all of the fraud associated with these uh, relief programs could have been were predicted by people like us, where now almost every day there's some news story where somebody's busted for like defrauding the PPP program for a million dollars. They bought like Lambos and and hookers or and cocaine or something, you know, like and, and this, of course, was all predicted. And yet the Republicans, they went along with it. You know, they kept they went along with let's print some more money. Let's print some more money. And now, you know, we have a 20 percent inflation rate um, that hurts the middle class. So these so you have Ronna McDaniel running the ship. You have Kevin McCarthy, who's a punk ass bitch. Um, he's not trustworthy. He knows how to say the things that he thinks that he knows are popular, but he has no intent on like following through. He's another person that he's going to be this majority. He's going to be Speaker of the House. What do you think is going to happen under that and under that clown? I nothing. I mean, it's very. uh, Yeah, nobody. I mean, no one in the rank and file Republican Party feels good about Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House. Like, I think we were better off with Paul Ryan, honestly. Like, he's going to be John Boehner on steroids. Like, he already reminds like he's just he's too slick. I know, but we've talked about this. His goal, his purpose really right now is raising money and he is raising a ton of money. And that is why when Republicans really, yeah, people are really pissed. And so the people are, are, there's money going into the Republican coffers. And unfortunately, the people don't know that Kevin McCarthy is running, you know, is promoting and spending money on putting little like rhinos in in office so that once they get in office, they're going to look it. It's like Trey Gowdy and Lindsey Graham. Those are the the candidates that Kevin McCarthy is going to get in office. And they're, they're going to yell when the cameras are on, you know, they're going to get heated and Lindsey's going to wag his finger and, you know, Trey Gowdy, he's on, of course on Fox, he's not, he's out of office, but they're going to yell and scream and they're going to say the right things. And then when it comes time for anything to happen, nothing is going to happen. Think about all the leaks that happened under the Trump administration and not a single one of them was punished for anything. You still have Durham is still working. I mean, who knows how long this thing's going to go? People aren't even going to remember. I mean, I don't even think most of them remember now. You know, well, I mean, go ahead. True, but I mean, what he is producing out of that investigation is still pretty mind blowing. I mean, we knew. Yes. But but the details that he has uh, has revealed in this cabal of between obviously Perkins Coie fusion, the DNC, Clinton campaign, the FBI, the CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is crazy, right? And so gets punished. He okay, great, and he's going to get the details, and the details are going to come out, and people like you and me. And, um, you know, conservative treehouse and, you know, like a handful of people that are, you know, are, have 
paying att- paid attention, Lee Smith, whatever, we're all going to we're all going to be like, holy shit. One, who's going to jail? OK, who's going to jail? Because these details are so insane. And the fact is, at the end of the day, I bet nobody really gets punished, which makes it even worse that it's that insane and nobody's going to get punished. And it it happened. I mean, even if people go to jail, it worked. Right. I mean, they basically ruined Trump's it, term. It, it did. It ruined it ruined the first half, completely disabled the first half of his of his presidency. There's no doubt about it. And destroyed That's lives me. in the process with the Mueller investigation. Um, you know, so you're right. There's no going back to rewind that. Let's say let's say Durham does come out with conspiracy charges. Here's what's so funny, Liz. So you've got 14 Americans who have been charged with seditious conspiracy related to January 6th. Three of them have pleaded guilty. The government basically compares seditious conspiracy to treason. These are people who walked in the building with military gear, no weapons, walked around, didn't hurt anyone, didn't overthrow anyone, didn't even talk to a legislator, walked out. They're now basically being condemned as or, or described as traitors by the Biden regime. But yet you have a legitimate conspiracy to defraud the United States in clear view with the most powerful political and government interests in the world um, that succeeded really in, if you want to call it sedition, which is to to stop the lawful execution of the government. And that's exactly what happened with FISA Russiagate. So it's nice to see what a two perjury charges, but where are the big guns? Where is this what Durham is building up to? Will he have the guts to charge anyone with conspiracy? Because who would the conspiracy be between? Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson. It would be between Perkins Kuimark, uh Elias. It would be the Clinton campaign, Robbie Mook. It would be the DNC, whoever was in charge of the DNC back then. I can't remember. Was it, who was it? Not Podesta. I know um, what's her name was for a bit. Donna Brazil. She took over a well, little Debbie bit. Wasserman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Was it no, Debbie Wasserman she, she resigned during the DNC, during the convention in 2016. So that was the end of July. I don't recall off the top of my okay. head who took over. Um, so this was an elaborate scheme a legitimate conspiracy to defraud the United States. Where are those charges? And one does, I think it's five year statute of limitations, but that's from the last act, right? So one was the last act. If it was 2018, okay, the clock is, is running out, right? If it's 2017, we're there. So I don't know. Do we expect bombshell charges like that? No. Um, no. And, and, and I think that when you, if you think that somebody, even if you fought with a police officer and broke windows and did whatever on January 6th, and you compare that to like using the, the levers and the force of government to undermine the will of the American people in the 2016 election, and you tell me that the January 6th thing is worse, it's like, really? Because that's the way things are rolling out, right? I mean, they're saying that all of this stuff that happened using the CIA, spying on people, on innocent people, violating their civil liberties, um, you know, using the government as basically a campaign arm of the of a political party and then continuing to like 
muck up the operation of America, like as the will of the people wanted, which was the president elected was Trump. And you don't think that's as bad as what happened on January 6th? That's crazy. But that's, is. that's, but that's what's happened. And that, again, at the end of the day, we're not going to have, and no one's going to go to jail over this. I mean, we'll get more information about what happened. But um, until people are like get life in prison or something or like the firing yeah. squad, it's just going to happen again. And it can keep happening. Look, we've got this, um, you know, we've got the Ministry of Truth now right. in the Department of Homeland Security. We have a like a, a local law. We have a, a continental law enforcement agency, you know, to make sure that the only true things are put into the public realm. And that's fine. You know, that's and this doesn't even cover the media's role in what happened with right. Russia Gate, right? I mean, the fact that you have reporters who leaked classified information, the Washington Post leaking the alleged conversation between Mike Flynn and Sergey Kislyak in uh, December of 2016. You have the Washington Post leaking the FISA warrant against Carter Page in April of 2017 of all of these leaks of illegal of classified information and the media is not held accountable. And now they came back after, you know, some of the information, especially the Sussman indictment. It was like, oh, OK, well, I guess maybe we got this wrong. No one's been fired. Not one. Has any editor stepped down? Dean back fired. Then, promoted. Right. They're promoted and given they, awards. They get awards. Right. But look, this happened, the same sort of thing happened in the Whitmer kidnapping case, right? You've got the FBI, DOJ working with other actors. Certainly, uh, Gretchen Whitmer knew about this to the extent how much she was involved or any other Democratic um, leaders like she was or party uh, party interests were involved in this. Same sort of thing. Right. The arrests are announced October 8th, 2020. Straight up FBI government Democratic Party interference in the election as millions of people are voting for president in 2020. Um, so because no one has been held accountable, criminally accountable for Russiagate. Um, that's why they got the green light to do it again in 2020. They're going to do something. I'm sure they're already plotting something for 2022. There's no doubt. Um and then who knows what the hell they're going to try to get away with in 2024. But because, to your point, no one has been held criminally accountable for responsible for what happened in Russiagate. It's they're just going to keep doing it. Right. No, exactly. And they won't be. And so they will. I mean, that's like, again, we're how many years out from when this stuff started and what happened and and it happened. And that's just the Russia collusion. We're not even talking about the Ukraine phone call, the changing of the criteria for being a whistleblower, Eric Chermella, like any of that stuff, which was, again, another setup, another, you know, operation to gum up the Trump presidency. And, you know, in a way, I think that that's kind of like espionage or whatever. It's like sabotage. Right. It made it very difficult for Trump to be the president and which is what the people wanted because he won the election. You know, you raised a good point earlier when you were just when we were talking about the media. Um, can you imagine, like, why would the political I think it was it Josh Gerstein at Politico who published 
the Supreme Court opinion. Yes. Can you, yep. like, why, like, I want to ask him, why did you do that? Why, you know, he didn't have to publish it, right? Like, if you think about it, the steps involved in this, he could have said, look, I think this is, you know, this is too much. You know, we, we if I would have gotten it, if I would have gotten it, I would have published it, though. I mean, well. Yeah, but would you publish like something national security related? You know, I mean, where's the like you want to think that why would that's interesting. So why would you publish it? Um, well, because it is just a huge scoop and there would be really even though it's unprecedented, um, it's not technically classified information. I listened right. to on I listened to our ex ex boyfriend Bill Barr give an interview the other day who we hate now. Yeah. Um, but he really stumbled to explain any criminality by the person who leaked right. it. So yeah. if there's no, I mean, look what the Washington Post did in leaking in publishing classified information about Carter Page's FISA. That that that's is far right. more that's illegal. Yeah. So if I'm Josh Gerstein and somebody hands me that ruling and you know this is going to be like, yeah, you're going to you're going to publish it because there's no legal barrier to it. Now, if you're going to talk about an ethical barrier, well, come on. this is national news media. Of course, they don't have any. Um, and I actually think Josh Gerstein does good reporting, even though he's there's a slant to it. Fine. So do I. But he does. He I mean, they've uncovered some pretty interesting stuff about January 6th investigation. So, yes, you're going to publish that ruling. And then the chips fall where they may. It's not really, I guess, from his point of view as a journalist, it's not your role to determine what the political consequences will be of publishing it. If you're a journalist and someone gives you that, you're going to post it. You're going to publish it. So for you, you would say the line is like whether it's classified and then you're then you'd kind of be breaking a law. Right. Like, so, for example, people okay. come to me all the time with offers, not all the time. I've gotten numerous offers of evidence in January 6 cases that are protect under protective orders. So I say absolutely not. Do not even send it to me. I don't want to look at it. I want I I want nothing to do with it because it's under court ordered protective order. Even though some of this stuff would be pretty explosive for me to get my hands on and publish. It still is under a court order. I don't want to expose myself or American greatness or anyone else. So that's just one example. That's not the case with this. So, um, okay, no, so fair I, enough. Yeah, I think it was well within his the boundaries to to publish it. Now, the person who leaked it—that's a whole other story. Um, but again, Bill Barr really struggled to come up with. He said something about conspiracy, but I mean, then everything's a conspiracy. But I don't know if it's illegal. I don't, it doesn't seem, it doesn't appear that it was illegal to leak that draft. No. And you know, it, I, I think it was, um, again, I was listening to Megan Kelly had on Ted Cruz and, and they were suggesting that you could have them interviewed by the FBI or you could ask them to sign a document saying they did not leak it to Politico. And then if, if either they That's would right. admit they did or they would, um, you know, um, like it would be lying and then it would be like lying to a federal agent. So um, there, I mean, that's, I guess that's an option. You know, it's not, it's not technically, it's not illegal. It's just so, it's so shocking to see. I mean, I know I shouldn't be surprised, 
but yet I'm so surprised because the court has is really not supposed to be political, even though there are political consequences to their to their decisions. And certainly in this Roe versus Wade, nobody's upset about the logic, right? Nobody's arguing with the things that are were said in in the papers, right? Saying, oh, this is crazy. Alito's nuts. He's totally wrong. The, because people think Roe versus Wade is a law that makes abortion legal. And and it's so much more than that. Just like the lawsuit that was brought to the court isn't like, should abortion be legal or not legal? I mean, there's a legal situation. There's, It's always much more complicated, but people have such a sort of simple and um, like one dimensional understanding of what these laws are. Like Obamacare, yes. Abortion, yes. Like it's but that wasn't the question. The question is, you know, is there a right to abortion in the Constitution? And right. there isn't. No, okay? there's not. I mean, let's, there, there's not. There's, there's not. not. The, the question and also, is, Liz, this, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you also, go, go. also, we cannot ignore the technology that we now have access to that has changed public opinion about abortion. 50 years ago, you weren't getting sonograms, you know, at 12 weeks, 14 weeks. You weren't getting 3D images of your baby's face, right, by 20 weeks. The whole, this is, uh, you know, lump of cells thing. I mean, for, you know, 20 years after Roe, that was fine. You could believe that because there wasn't really photographic evidence in front of you that showed exactly what was happening inside your body. So now you do. And that has greatly contributed to uh, a, ch- a shift in public opinion. So you see that the majority of Americans believe that abortions should be legal in the first 12 weeks. Okay. 12 weeks might be stretching it because you can detect fetal heartbeat before that. But at any rate, that's, I think that's the line where most Americans draw or, or at a heartbeat. So, that's why you see some of these heartbeat bills. Well, that wasn't possible when Roe uh, right in was, 1973 because we just didn't have the technology. Right. And so, right. Right. So I think that that is a big difference. And I do think that it's a debate worth having. And when you have someone like Tim Ryan come out, uh, you know, presumably a Catholic in Ohio and basically say he believes in no restrictions on abortion. You, a woman could have an abortion, I mean, it's very unusual and rare, up to the point, you know, 40, 39 weeks of, of pregnancy. There are very few Americans who are going to go along with that. And especially oh this, in oh, the context yeah. of what the Democratic Party has exposed itself as over the past two years. Yeah. Child abusers led by Randy Weingarten, um, asking our children, keeping them out of school, tormenting them removing them from their friends, removing them from their activities, decimating. They, like, they want to kill them or fuck them, right? I mean, I hate to be crude, but like that's kind of you, right? They want. Okay. But, I mean, but Virginia, Governor Northam here was like, look, if, you know, the, the aborted baby is delivered alive, you know, we'll have a conversation about, we'll keep it comfortable and we decide whether to, to let it, it live. Or stab I mean, it what, in the heart. Right. What the, what what the fuck? I mean, but you're you're you are right that um, oh, pe- people have the their opinion on abortion is the majority want abortion legal, but in a in a restricted time frame. 
Also, no other country has like third trimester abortions. Like even the Europeans are freaks. You, you can't get you can't go in and get like a like a eight, a seven or eight or even six month of abortion in you in right. Europe. It's not you can't do that. So um, and I think that it's good to go to the states. And we hear so much about from the left about democracy and this is democracy. Well, I think it's great to go to the states. That's democracy. Let each state decide how they want to regulate abortion. I mean, let them do it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then you will have a clear line between Democrats who, like you said, want to, I won't repeat it, but what you said, um, (laughs) and who are okay with, with killing children up to the point of they can be born alive and what you do afterwards. The same people who want to mask preschoolers in New York, the governor of New York and the mayor of New York City, who want to continue to mask these children, absolutely tormenting, abusing them. You have Randy Weingarten the other day talking about the mental health crisis among children that worsened since 2020. She wants to blame it on the virus. No, you are the virus. You are... You are, she should not only be in a cell, she should be strapped to a metal chair that has a lot of wires coming out of it (laughs) for what she has done. This is mass child abuse on a huge scale that our children, most that a lot of children will never recover from. Never. Um, You know, my own daughter is graduating from high school and she keeps saying over and over, I just feel like I missed out on so much. And that's time. Yeah, that's, you're never going to get that back. So, um, so there is something really twisted and wicked and evil at the soul of the Democratic Party. And I think that's why you are seeing these huge numbers. I think there was a poll this week or last week, huge gap in support for the uh, uh, huge advantage for Republicans among parents, because they see really especially over the past two years, and now they're going to see it again with the debate over uh, Roe, uh, what these ghouls think about children. It's really, it's, it's really evil. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good place (laughs) to, and it's traditional that we end with a proclamation of evil um, (laughs) everywhere. Uh, so everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. Don't happy mother's day. Yeah. Happy mother's day. Or I'm sorry. Happy birthday person's day. Julie bigot. (laughs) Um, so happy birthday person's day. Um, and we will be back next week. Don't forget to subscribe to happy hour with Julie and Liz on iTunes. And we will be, we'll be here next week. Right, Julie. Yes, unless we're in the gulag. That's right. (laughs) Knock, knock, knock. No. (laughs) Okay, guys. Talk to you later. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.